black, white, and mixed. Black, white, black, white, and mixed. mixed. Black, white, and mixed. Come on, black, 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 and black, 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 white, and mixed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Black, White, Mixed, a podcast about race and culture in America. We are recording from Greensboro, North Carolina. I am your host, Doug Ogden, and I'm here with my friends, Brandon Johnson. That's me. And Kenny Roberts. I still haven't come up with anything good enough. I yeah, feel I but you're not going to be able to. Like Brandon, Brandon's just on I know, because he comes uh-huh. to the max every single time. He has the, He's ready the, for it. The vocals of the angels. Maybe, maybe next time you should go first and see if you can throw Brandon off. We'll switch it up one time. No, That'd no, Brandon's good. just Brandon's vetoing that. That's not happening. He won't. Well, he, he probably will have sent me some weird text message when I'm trying to like hang out with my family. You know, something that's like right. that. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. Gonna be, it's gonna be uh, just just pictures of me just in a bubble bath, and all you can see is the neck. <laughs> oh, please no, not that. <laughs> Okay. That'll throw you off. <laughs> that's gonna throw everyone off. That's gonna that's, right. that's gonna throw a lot of people off. That's right. Um, well, hey, we got we got a guest on tonight's show. A guest, it's a guest. Special special guest appearance. Um, our guest tonight is a globally recognized recording artist, performer, culture curator, activist, and writer. His work combines his artistic platform with his academic history to contribute a unique perspective elevated in the contemporary cons- con- ah, conservation of faith, art, and culture. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Show Baraka. Mr. Baraka, what's going on? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. What's you guys, up, man? Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, man. It's uh, good. I, 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 <laughs> if I would have known Kenny was on the podcast, I would have said no. I would have. I would have. <laughs> Come on, man. So that was actually going to be our first. Uh, <laughs> do, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember? A phone oh, call Lord. that Kenny placed to you a couple oh, years God. back. Is this ringing any bells? I I don't I don't remember. Oh, what good. Then we don't even need to bring this up. Kenny, <laughs> Kenny, go ahead. Do something. Oh no. <laughs> no, we don't even need to bring this up. <laughs> no, I need to hear it now. Lord, no, Jesus. So, listen, listen. This there's a lot one, of good okay. reasons. There's a okay. lot of good reasons to have show on our podcast. This was near the top of the list for me. Not at the top, but near the top. That's all. How I'm long? Say. How long have we been friends, y'all? We've been, we've been. First of all, I don't know if we're friends. <laughs> I want to talk about you. I want to talk about oh, you. I was talking about like, Doug what? and Brandon, but that's very relevant to the story. I knew, that's, I knew you were talking man, to me and Brandon, and I'm so glad the show answered anyway. I, that's, that is very relevant to the story, though. You know what I'm saying? So, I, I, you know, you know me. So me and Brandon sorry. have been me, Brandon, Doug have been friends for I don't know ten years. Right. So something like that. Um, and I just probably told, uh, I probably just told them this story maybe a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago or something like that. (laughs) There was a a day, um, I don't remember what I was doing. Um, I know I was driving and I had been, um, I had been thinking a lot about like impact days and Uh, things like that. And I was just, you know, I was just hitting people up. Like I called, um, you know, Mohafiz and, you know what I'm saying? And like a couple other people, whatever. Uh-huh. And then I got, you know, I, I gave you a call because I was thinking about, this is right around the time I think when, um, was it when the narrative came out? It was right around the time when the narrative came out. 
or maybe I was listening to the narrative or something like that. Because we, had, we had talked a few years ago in Raleigh, right after Talented Tenth came out, we weren't doing this podcast, we were doing something else, but me and Kenny and our buddy Zach drove to meet you. I think we were at Southeastern, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we were at Or no, we went in a hotel or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in. Yeah, yeah, we did an interview in, right after Talented Tenth. Yeah. It was okay. in um, whatever that's, Wake or Wade or whatever it is. Um, but yeah. And so um, this was right around the time I think the narrative came out. But anyway, but I was just thinking about like, you know, just all the, you know, the stuff that, you know, that artists have been going through and like all of the, you know, the so racial like reconciliation okay. work. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, <laughs> you know, so I, I hit you up. And um, this is such a slow moving train right now. I'm sorry. It's because it's because it's like feeling it. awkward. It's because it's, it's so feeling over, awkward about I, it. I'm so embarrassed about it. And so I called you <laughs> and I was like, yo, I was like, what's good? You know what I'm saying? I was just, you know, giving you a call, just letting you know, man, I'm praying for you. <laughs> it was like, it was like, it was like we had been kicking it for, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, but. <laughs> You know, and he was like, he was like, he was like, word, that's cool. Um, well, you know, I'm driving with my family right now. So uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and then there was this awkward pause. And then I was so like, good, man. I learned some good lessons that day, though. I learned some good. I'm very much a person that is like, you see somebody in person. And it's like you never miss the beat, you know what I'm saying? We pick it up, yo, it's so good to see you. Uh-huh. We catch up, blah blah blah. It's all love. <laughs> that is not for on the phone. <laughs> that is that is not for on the phone. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So do that in person. You know, if you see somebody and then well, maybe don't they, do it in person they, either. I'm, well, I'm saying I'm saying if they if they say your name, okay, if they be like, yo, what's good? It's good. To, oh, I ain't see you there. How's it going? You know, and pick up where you where you left. So on. hold no. up. Let me ask this couple. There's a couple clarifying questions here. Oh you, Lord, you called me over the phone. I did. So you have my number. So you still have I had my your number. number. No, I deleted that joint. He deleted your number and he deleted like 15 other numbers and he was like, I don't need to call this dude either. That's right. That's right. I bruh, I went down the <laughs> list. On everything, I went down the list. We we was like, I started deleting because this is the thing. Like impact, like, and I was I was getting nostalgic when I was reading the book, and like you started talking <laughs> about you know the founding of impact and Tom right, Chris right. and you know Charles Gilbert and all. That. I was like, oh, they're my people, you know what I'm saying? But impact was like you know this small family, you know what I'm saying? And you get exposure to a ton of different people, and right, like right. I remember you know we you know conferences where I'd be you know kicking it with everyday process or you know kicking it with. You know, um, you know, DJ Essence and all. You know what I'm saying? And things like. And like, you just get familiar with these folks, and then you. Yeah, like, you know, because I you was, assume that the relationship is dope. Right. And then the reality and is like. Uh, it was, it was a one know, night stand. It was. It was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> don't don't call me in the morning. You know what I'm saying? I don't want eggs. I want my wife right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, show good. Hey, show good for you for having boundaries, though, dude. Like, you gotta, you're with your family. You don't hey. need to have that conversation. Good hey, for you. Bro. Bro. I'm, I'm, you know what's interesting? I'm wondering if I had your number because I don't have my number. On, I don't have my phone on me right now. Uh, it's upstairs. I'm wondering if I had your phone number saved under Kenny Roberts 
And if I answered it knowing it was you, or if I just answered it just like, oh, I was just wondering who this uh, is. I don't I have no idea. But this is so way, intriguing to me. This is intriguing. I went, I went through the list and I was like, yo, we'll, you know, leave it in person. <laughs> so funny, man. I thought that was hilarious, man. You like legit just told us that story a couple weeks ago. Bruh, I like I have been carrying that as like this, this um this this badge of shame. A little OCD, my bad. I'm sorry. I had a it's all good. It's like, it's, like a, it's like a puzzle. <laughs> I'm sorry for the people who, people who, who uh, listen to this. I just... He's straightening photos. Yeah, a, uh, he seems to have made it worse, people. He seems to have made it worse. <laughs> it was just bothering you. Now it's bothering everybody. Right. Exactly. Just, we are I'll not going to be able to continue, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, there you go. Yep. There you go. Our studio audience, just so y'all know. Uh, but yeah, oh man. So cool. So show just show just released um, your first book, correct? Yep. Uh, he saw that it was good. Um and you did the, I got the audio book and it's you reading it uh, with a couple of special guests, which was super cool. I always prefer, like I do a lot of audio books and it's always better. I feel like when the artist or when the, the author is reading it, because mm-hmm. I can just, it's just like, it's your voice, it's your words yeah. and your tone. And I think, I think a lot of it came through very clear. And so from the audiobook some, standpoint, some authors are stale though. I, I listen to, that's true. Often, most of the times I listen to um, fiction. Like so, some of the fiction that I don't want to actually read, um, physical books, I'll listen to the audio, and yeah. sometimes I'm a little disappointed. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I wish somebody else would read this. <laughs> but there are some people out there who are amazing. Like, like mm-hmm. um, I forget her name, but she does. She reads a lot of books. Ah, dang, I feel bad. So anyway, um, yeah. she reads a lot of uh, Zerna Hurston books, and and I just, man, I'm like, <laughs> man, like she's killing it every time she reads. But anyway, cool. Um, I just wanted to, I'm going to tell you something about the reading of the book process. It is so humbling mm. because you're one, don't use words that you are not familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> if you read a word a couple times, you're like, yeah, I'm going to use this word in the book. <laughs> don't do it because everybody in the studio is going to realize like he don't use this word that much. Was there something that you had to relook up? Uh, no, there was a couple words that uh, I per- I use a lot. There was probably like three words that I use often that I did not know I was pronouncing them wrong. Oh, interesting. And I don't have good friends because my friends aren't smart enough to tell me that I pronounced them wrong. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, I've been using this word for years and nobody's told me. No, I say nothing. Yeah, did I miss, I'm mispronouncing this. Um, so that was that was one. Uh, there was a couple like names that I had to look up. Um, and and learn how to pronounce properly um, but the, the the bigger issue is is that you have to read it differently than mm-hmm. than, than when you read a book like you read a book you just kind of mm. speed through it right but it, while you're reading your book for audio you have to pace yourself and yeah. mm. but not only do you have to pace yourself you have to enunciate you have to have confidence you have to understand that you don't mm-hmm. want to put the reader to sleep so there are times when you're like trying to give inflection there's time when you're mm-hmm. trying to get personality and now that gets you in your head and if you mess up on a line twice and it's like oh my gosh everybody's judging <laughs> me right now yeah so yeah yeah there's a there's a couple of times when you you know you but once you get the hang of it 
you kind of go through the book and then you start over on the, the first chapter, second chapter. Yeah. And, uh, but it was fun, man. It was it was a lot of fun. That's cool, man. That's good, man. Is it yeah. different than acting? No, it's very similar to acting in the sense that you you're you're performing and you have to like in, in a lot of ways just get over yourself because mm-hmm. and it's y'all you know, learned a lot in football like i don't know how you guys play sports but like <clears throat> I, for a short period of time i played defensive back well i played quarterback also um my last three uh two years of high school and the one thing that quarterbacks and defensive backs have to <laughs> learn you have to have a short memory wow you, yeah you throw, you throw a, a pick and mm. you can't go back the next, you know, uh, offensive drive, thinking about that interception. In the head. Uh, you, and so one of the things that you you have to do, like when you're on stage or when you're in a film or even like reading a book, is that when you mess up, you can't allow that to sit in the back of your head. You have to just like, you know what? Let's get over it. Everybody in this place has messed up before. Um, they've asked me to do this for a reason. That means they think I'm good. And so believe in yourself and execute. Um, gotta have a memory of a goldfish yeah absolutely that's right Ted Lasso that's right. Ted Lasso Ted Lasso, <laughs> Ted Lasso baby. Boom. I breezed through that joint yo. that joint so is like good. the greatest thing that's so uh, good television in years oh my Bro, gosh I feel so the good. same way man I was telling somebody I was just I'm uh, currently watching season 4 of Handmaid's Tale and it's just like it makes you feel so depressed about everything like the world yeah. is bad enough and then you're like god like this is just we're all terrible you know Ted Lasso is like the extreme opposite of that in terms of like Absolutely. I want to feel uplifted and hopeful about humanity. Ted Lasso's where I'm going. Yeah, you gotta chase it. You gotta chase it with some Ted Lasso. You'd be like, for sure, for it. sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a palate <laughs> yeah. cleanser at the end of the night. Yeah, that's right. Mine's yeah, man. Short term memory, man. That's real. That's good. That's good. Um, well, hey, so obviously, you know, one of the one of the you know big sort of driving forces of the book is just creativity and how you know that is um, a way that that. Um, we can kind of exist in, in difficult spaces and, and use artwork and creativity in, in whatever field we're in to sort of heal some brokenness or to, you know, repair, restore relationships, that, that kind of stuff. So as you're, as you're kind of thinking through and, and for you as someone who has, you know, made a living, you know, in a lot of creative ventures, be it music, acting, and now, and now writing books, um, I'm just curious, inspiration wise, were you, were you finding new people that were inspiring you in in an author sense or were you able to sort of tap into mm. you know some of your longtime favorites in terms of creators um does that, does that make sense yeah all of the above uh i think i'm always <laughs> if you're not if you're not finding new inspirations then you're i think your your pro, your product and your production is going to be stale mm. uh, Oftentimes I feel this way about artists that I find that I love. And then like after their second or third album, it's like, eh, it doesn't seem like they're growing. Like I don't mm-hmm. see much progress is because a couple of reasons. One, their tax bracket has changed. So the pain and the life that they lived before probably <laughs> is different. So sure. they're not living the same. They don't have the same stories to tell like they used to. Yeah. Um, I hate to say this because I still think he's a very talented person, but I think like Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart's first couple standups, we're amazing. Hey, Brandon said, Amen. Now that oh, brother yes. can't tell a joke. You like, what is wrong with you? Show, because- have you seen have you seen 30 Rock? Yeah, the TV show. There, there, there's a joke where they're telling Tracy that his his stand-up career has changed and they play a clip of him and he's like, you know, when you're on St. Bart's and you see people beating like this, it's like 
eating their that's lobster. Not, that's that's exactly what I think of with Kevin Hart, man. Yeah, it's exact yeah. same. Yeah, he's he's he make cracking jokes about. And anyway, the point is is that he's extremely talented. <laughs> it's obvious that he's talented. It's sure. obvious that he um he, he still has a the 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 potential to be a, one of the world's best comedians but he's not reaching the audience that he once reached in the way mm. that he did mm-hmm. yeah. and i think part of that is even as you grow even as you change tax brackets you have to begin to figure out what are my new inspirations and also that means the type of art that you created has to change with you it evolves with you it's it's interesting like cuz it's not about being rich or being privileged and and not like there are rich people or people who've had privilege who are funny. I think about like Jerry Seinfeld. Like I, I watched his last set and I was like, this dude is killing. You know what I'm saying? I even think Ellen DeGeneres did a great job of her last stand up where she was basically talking about, look, I'm richer than you guys, and I gotta yeah. make you laugh knowing that you know that I'm richer than you guys. Yeah. And I was like, <clears throat> she did an excellent job. Yeah. So I don't mm. know how I got on this whole tire. <laughs> find find a new inspiration. Point, but find a but new inspiration. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 The point is, is that I am always trying to figure out how everything around me can inspire some sort of form of creativity. I think mm. I can't remember who the philosopher was, but it says if you're bored, that's because you're not paying attention. Mm. And for me, I I like to think that I'm constantly paying attention. And that's not just to people, but that's to art. I mean, uh, mm. that's to nature. That's just to ideas. And as these people share these ideas, as I view nature, as I go on a run and I'm exercising, like, what is inspiring me on this run? What, a, what about this podcast that I just listened to is inspiring new thought? What about this piece of artwork that I'm staring at? How does that inspire literature? It's, it's, just, it's just being able to translate things that you see onto the piece of paper. And so, yeah. so yes, yeah. I'm always being inspired by new, but I'm always going back to my, my favorites. As you can <clears throat> see this wall behind me, uh, for those people who are listening, you're not able to see it, but it's folks like Frederick Douglass, George uh, Washington Carver, Zordon Hurston, uh, C.S. Lewis, Tony Morrison. So mm. these are people that their art never gets old to me mm. because they transcended time with their with their intelligence. Yeah. And uh, for me, I'm like, it helps me time travel. You know what I mean? Mm. That's good. That's cool, man. That's good. That's real good. And so I, so one of the things that I noticed, um, you know, cause like, as you're talking about inspiration and things like that, and like how you, like you pick out certain parts of your life, you know, and relate them to, to the point that you're trying to make in the book and things like that. And like, one of the things that I noticed is kind of a, a stream, not just throughout the book, but I feel like throughout a lot of your art is, is humility. You know what I'm saying? And like, I just I I would love to hear just kind of like your journey with you know or your relationship with humility and like how that's kind of shaped a lot of the the art you know yeah. that um that you created. Yeah. That's a good question. I was about to grab the book to read a line from it, but um I'll just try to quote it from the top of my head. Um I wrote <laughs> when our humility is low our anger is high and we feel we're absolutely right about an ideology. We are capable of doing extreme harm and danger. Mm. Um, and I think that's where we are right now. We are, we are living in a society where people believe that what they hold to is 
absolutely right. People are very angry. Some people rightfully so. Um, and, and But the problem is, is nobody's humble. You know what I mean? And so when you have this pride about the things you believe in, and when you're angry, you just weaponize your beliefs against another person. And so for me, I was that individual for many years. Like for most of my life, the reason why I obtained knowledge wasn't because I actually believed it was beneficial for my own self. I got it so I could impress people or I got it so that I can win arguments. I remember part of the reasons why I wanted to go to a black college, uh, HBCU was to be like, I'm better than these other folks who don't go to HBCUs. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Um, And I wanted to, you know, just be a part of that in crowd. I remember when I first became a Christian, it was like, I'm going back to tell all these folks that they Mm-hmm. <laughs> then it's like mm-hmm. then I got a hold of some reform theology. I was like, oh, now I'm about to argue with the folks who don't agree with me. <laughs> Man, that's that's the only time I can think of somebody using reform theology as a weapon. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started to study like orthodoxy and you know uh, uh, things opposed to reform. And I'm, I'm gonna go back and tell these reform theologians <laughs> that they're terrible. <laughs> so eventually, it just said, you know, all y'all niggas said. Yes, facts, facts, everybody, so at the the end of the day, one of the things, oh, we can say niggas, we can say niggas. Oh, so I don't know if you listen to our podcast, but it's super clean. Some of us can, some of us definitely cannot, that would be. Brandon can say nigg, he can't say nigga. Hey, I just, look, I always make sure I don't have the hard R, hard R, I'm got you. Got you. So, yeah, I think um, for me, it's just looking at my life and seeing how much of a terrible, terrible person I am and Mm. knowing that left up to my own devices, I am going to uh, make a mess of, of, of knowledge and information. And see, this is a thing that is different. The difference between knowledge and wisdom is that wisdom makes us better human beings. Information just, Mm. it's just stuff that we have. And you can have a whole lot of information, but it doesn't necessarily makes you make you a better individual and better human. Wisdom, and I think even in a Christian sense, helps. Oh, we lost them. Uh-oh. Hey, we, uh oh. Hey, show we lost you. Things we know. It's like the Hebrews. I think it's chapter. Six, hey, show you there. So seven, uh, somewhere between six and. Hey, sorry, man. We lost back, you for a second. Yeah. Yep. I think we're good. Where'd you lose me? You're talking about uh, the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. um, And you started to go into Hebrews, I think. Okay. So, yeah. So, in Hebrews, I think it's, I I don't know exactly what chapter it is. I got to read it to have read it in a while. But (laughs) somewhere between Hebrews chapter 6 and 12 or something. I don't know. (laughs) It talks about, you know, the application. The application of the milk to meat process is the sign of a true, true maturity. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And so, for me, one of the things I've learned about humility is not. And people have used this kind of like maxim. It's not about thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. And yeah. and how you've tried to consider other people in the narrative before you insert yourself. And so I used to have a hard like a hard, I used to think very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, I used to have very disparaging thoughts about Trump supporters Mm. until 
um, someone in my family was a Trump supporter. And then I realized like this human being is, they're not a terrible person. Uh They just may have some politics that differ from me. And so therefore, well, let me figure out how to, and if this is the case, then maybe there are other people who are like them, you know what I mean? And then I started to, and then that, and then that not only reversed for me, not only just to see in the humanity and dignity, it also helped me to see, well, what about the politics do you love? And what about my politics uh, am I harboring without real castigation and investigation? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I think part of our greater issue is, is we tend to define our beliefs uh, in light of our enemies or in light of our opposition. And that's a terrible place to be because just because your opposition believes something doesn't mean you shouldn't believe it. Um, it well, let me right. say that. Let me ch- let me change that differently. Just because somebody that you, like, for instance, if you're a Democrat and a Republican has an idea, well, a lot of our culture will say, well, just because they're Republican, I can't, I can't agree mm-hmm. with that. And I think right. that is a terrible place. And Dr. Carlos has this statement where he says we need to. I guess I'm a butcher, but we we need to basically hold the idea apart from the people who, um, dang, why does he say it? Basically, we need to hold an idea, basically hold an idea. Apart from the person who introduces it. Yeah, basically. Yeah, good job, Kenny, good job. And so (laughs) I'm I'm learning it. I'm learning it. Y'all are such close friends that Kenny knew what you were saying. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He finishes my sentences. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, oh, at the yeah, end of the day, good, I, I've I've tried to figure out how to make how to be a more humble person, how to <clears throat> have a humble posture, and uh, as my friend Lisa Fields from the Two Three Project talks about, I have a, a humble uh, hermeneutic, so that even if I have a theological belief that I hold tightly to, uh, hold it humbly, and and oftentimes consider that you may be wrong. Mm. My. Uh, well, for, first of all, I was I'm about to say, when is Brandon going to ask the question? Because I was like, this brother. <laughs> I, so, so uh, I'm gonna, I'll say one thing real quick, and then I'll, I'll say why I have not said much yet. <laughs> um, so, my my father-in-law um, talks about a similar thing. He teaches um, he teaches with YWAM in a bunch of different places. Um, what is YWAM? I think I know it, but I can't off the top of my head. I youth can't. Youth with a Mission. Um, it's just a, it's a missions organization and they've got lots of places or lots of bases and lots of places. But one of the things that he, he has said that has stuck with me for a long time is, um, is essentially the point that you were making, which is sometimes like he, he equates to like information and, uh, like wisdom as like eating, um, eating, a chicken leg, right. There's, there's bones in it. So like, it would be stupid for you to eat the bones, yeah. but there's still meat there to get. So yeah. sometimes, That's sometimes true. there's more meat and sometimes there's more bones. You just gotta be like, you have to have the discernment to eat what's there and leave, leave what needs to be left. Mm-hmm. And I've liked that for a long time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So I'm actually super, uh, green when it comes to, um, CHH culture and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, the only, really the only reason why I know much about it other than grits, um, uh, was, um, these two right here. Uh-huh. So 
I, it's just, it's been something that's always been kind of difficult for me to get to. I wasn't allowed to listen to, uh, to, um, secular music when I was a kid. Um, I could only listen to Christian music. And even then it was, it was basically wow, 95 and, and up. Um, so I think when, once I was finally in middle school and high school and I was exposed to, um, you know, blink 182 and, um, and, <laughs> Dre is the chronic and stuff like that. I was like, oh, there's there's good stuff out there. Like music can be, because like I was only allowed to listen to you know, like I said, Christian music. And then if I was in my dad's car, we listened to whatever the station was that was you know, oldies and today's R and B. Um, so I was listening to, you know, the Bee Gees and and Stevie Wonder and stuff like that. But I I just had no real context for like what, uh. I guess good current music was. Yeah. 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 Um, so like once I was sort of introduced to it, it was like, oh, that's all I want to do is just listen to music all the time. And and to be honest, Christian hip hop was often on the lower, the lower side of like what I wanted to listen to, just because of I think a lot of folks I was exposed to, it felt like they weren't talking about real things. Um, Absolutely. You know, so this if, is all a preamble for him to say that I don't really know who you are, basically. No, no. So, I did, so like the stuff I, I don't know, know who you are, and I really don't have any questions for you. He, no, here's what I got for you. The first, the first time that I was actually introduced to you was Talented Tenth and yeah. Jim Crow, Chapter Nine, Jim Crow. That was the first time, and I was like, Oh, I hear you. I, I, hear I guess you. I got people got things to say. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that the, yeah. It's, it's, I, I was I was interested to like you know Doug was the one who who put us on it and was like hey I think we're gonna be able to uh, to interview show what do you think about that I'm like I don't I think you guys are gonna have to drive the questions because I don't know a lot about it. <laughs> so when you let me ask you a question Brandon sure. as you as you look back on your life do you do you feel um, and I don't know how much you've listen to christian music since then i i mm -hmm. engage now now it's it's uh my wife and i used to to do worship music and so like at that point we were my wife was always sending me songs that i needed to listen to but that was more strictly worship type songs mm -hmm. contemporary worship type songs uh so i would probably say it's pretty close to you know 99 if not 100 i'm listening to uh, quote unquote worldly music. Got you. Um, and you, yeah. and, the, and the primary reason <laughs> is you just don't feel like that Christian music is authentic in its content. Like it's not talking about the real felt needs of the world, or is it just the quality of the music is just not good to you or as good better yet? No, I, I think that there's, I think that there's maybe a, a both end. I think there've been some, so, you know, I've listened to to some music that I've been really challenged by just like, Oh, like, people are really talking about you know yeah. stuff but then it's i think what is really hard and i knew that we were going to talk about this uh at some point but you know like on my i, I have a wall um that i want my uh, a wall of records and i'm the the records that i'm choosing are supposed to be uh ones that as my i got two two boys as they get older i could share these these albums with them that like made big impacts in my life uh you know it, they have to meet you know a few criteria one they either just like changed my world and like how i listen to music or two they're just like a work of art and you got to listen to it um Can you and share, one share, share share a couple of those with me i'm interested in those yeah uh i've got in rainbows by radiohead and mm -hmm. um 
you know, Reliant K is coming up there. Um, mm-hmm. But I've got Kendrick Lamar's. Um, I got to pimp a butterfly. Damn, and uh, uh, good kid, good, good kid, And I just, I just like, I think about. <clears throat> you got twenty fourteen four sales drive. Yep, twenty. Yeah. Yep. I got. A, I mean, I got a bunch of stuff, and I'm and it's still growing. Yeah. You know, like there's lots of stuff that I want to get, or that is like hard to hard to find in a vinyl. Um, but. I think I like I listened to Kendrick Kendrick's album uh, to, to to Pimp a Butterfly and really listened to it and was like I'm and I'm from California um, so there's there's some of that there but it was just like a this guy's like really wrestling with basically like every aspect of his life like things are just being turned like you know everything that he thought he understood that he thought he believed is like just kind of being turned on its head yeah um, and it was just super super challenging for me. Um, I don't think that all Christian music is like this by any means, but often I find myself listening to Christian music and they'll start getting into, you know, my life, you know, life is incredibly difficult. It's hard, blah, 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 blah. And then God just like, you know, everything's good. God came in and there's no problems anymore. And it's like, that's super difficult for me to like, listen to. Yeah. Cause right, you're right, like, right. It don't, you don't, you don't always feel that in that moment. Um, or did you even sit in the, in those feelings to be able to like work right. those out and figure out why you feel that way? That's, that's maybe my that biggest knock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, well, I ain't, I ain't, I don't want to jump in too quick. I was just, t- cause like in the book, I think you kind of like, you talk about that a little bit in the book, just, oh, I feel like I spent know. the whole chapter talking about it. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. And so it chapter was like, six, yeah, chapter mm-hmm. six. I spend. I'm basically. I'm. I'm talking about that very thing, like how there's a de, there's a desensitizing of pain and struggle in Christian art that create that makes our art feel like it's a it's a distancing from authenticity. It doesn't feel like when it, when you make grace cheap. When you make sin cheap, you make grace cheap. So kind of like mm-hmm. to his point, it's like oh, when you listen to Damn, uh, no, let me, when you listen to Good Kid, Mass, when you listen to all of Kendrick's music, <laughs> right? one of the things right. that you get is you get this deep yearning. You get this, this, this yearning for something like it must be better. Like this can't be everything. Um, but you also get this salvation, but you also get, once you get the salvation, you still get, man, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still fucked up. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's, there's still yeah. a lot of wrestling that to be, to be done through life because the problem is, is we, we make it seem like the grace of God is only extended to people who have clean slates. Yeah. Right. And so our art reflects that our movies, our music. And it's like, the reality is, is, well, why are people out here sleeping around? Why are people out here, why are pastors killing themselves? Why are, like, why are churches falling apart? Why are, why are people discontented? Well, apparently the gospel is sufficient, but we are insufficient beings who always want more, and we seek more outside of the grace of God. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about how our, our <clears throat> appetites are insatiable. And <clears throat> I even talk about you know, a couple of times where, where there's anger, why aren't we cussing? When there's mm. tension, why aren't we using, you know, racial slurs? Um, when there's, when there's lust or love, why don't we talk about sex? Or why don't we describe sex? And so, you know, it's just, it's just, it, it it's, it's frustrating because 
the market incentivizes a particular, and this is not just Christian music. This is all, this is all art. Yeah. Um, our markets better yet. Markets have standards for which they've created for you to succeed. Right. And if you, if you move outside of those boundaries, then you're on your own. Luckily enough, we're in an age where it's easier for people to succeed without a machine because you have so much direct to consumer relationship or connection. However, you still got to play particular games in order to get to the real money. Mm -hmm. Right. So in order to tour it, in order to get festivals, in order to be commercials, in order to get syncing, like you, you, you have to fit particular modes. And in the Christian market, it, it incentivizes <clears throat> you to be very pristine and it, it incentivizes you to talk about particular things and particular issues and when you move outside of that you get ostracized or blackballed and so mm. yeah well i mean yeah. i i know that there's a um i was reading about um is it in the narrative Ken, kenny's gonna be mad at me um <laughs> the, uh there's a there's a line where you know you said Oh yeah, uh, think of you know, penis. about penis yeah. and yeah. and life way took you out. And I, and I I think that's like a the perfect the perfect uh yeah. You're you're like really like did you listen to right. it? Did you or or is the or is the anger yeah. just simply that you said penis because that's ridiculous? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in yeah. and and I think that there's that's just like a one maybe one example of probably a lot that you've had to deal with considering mm. some of the stuff that I've heard, some of your music that I've heard, I'm like, Oh, I mean, if that, if, if penis was the thing that took you out, you know, when you start talking about something real, <laughs> or what they use to take them out. Right, 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 right. There you go. There you go. What they use. Yeah. But you know, it's all good. This, this, this is on the back end of the N word and bitch and all that off of a uh, top right. of the 10. That's right. Yeah. They tried to take me out with that one, but I was savvy yeah. enough to not put it on the physical copies in which they sold in stores and only put it yeah. on the digital versions, which were, you know, sold on iTunes, et cetera, et cetera. So right. they couldn't actually reprimand me because they weren't selling any of those copies in their, mm. their brick more spaces. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting that you said that it's not just you know, Christian spaces, the, the comedian Bo Burnham has this great bit where he talks about, he's kind of making fun of like modern pop music, you know, like life has really complex issues and you shouldn't just roar. You shouldn't just be brave. You know, he's kind of like poking fun <laughs> at some of these like modern, very stripped down, simple, like, Oh, just be brave. You know, when truthfully life is it's much more complicated than that. And, and in a lot of Christian spaces, especially CCM, but similar to Brandon, I mean, I, I sort of missed, I definitely missed cross movement and tunnel rats and that whole crowd. And then I even missed like the first wave of like the Reach Records releases. So I came in a little bit late on, on that sense. But to that point, the only like Christian rappers I knew about, and again, we're not throwing shade, but it was Grits and John Rubin. And they just weren't for me. You know what I mean? I was, so, I was like, just like, just like you, Brandon, I was like, I, this, I, apparently there's not really, you know, great Christian rap out there, but there was, I just didn't know about it. But anyway, all that to say, um, the idea that, you know, and I grew up big time. You mentioned, wow, you know, all the CCM stuff, man, which I think has persisted to this day. There does seem to be really simple, stripped down, polished answers to stuff that has seemingly gotten more and more complex and more and more difficult to solve in terms of modern justice and modern living yeah. and just the right. way that, you know, we're supposed to navigate in the world. Um, in, in, in the faith or not, life is complex. And um, this sort of like bare bones, you know, all you have to do is 
A, B, and C, it, it just doesn't really, it doesn't work. It doesn't actually um, lead to freedom or uh, at least in my experience, lead to any sort of like freedom or life on the other side of that, you know? Yeah. So what we're talking about is popular culture. And in any sense, popular culture has always given you the popular answers. And so in a lot of ways, evangelicalism operates in popular culture because they're trying to reach the most amount of people. Um, they're trying to be most uh, efficacious, if you will, with uh, with their teachings, with their ideas, with their et cetera, et cetera. This is where popular theology falls apart because when you think about the margins, when you think about what's happening in the brokenness of the world, um, even to use your example about, you know, Bo Burnham making fun of popular culture. I mean, those roars that, you know, those songs are pop. If you, do, if you, if you divert from that, then you're alternative, right? And alternative yeah. is more of your emo, is more of your emotive, it's more thoughtful, it's more pensive. Um, same thing with mainstream hip hop. If you're, you know, you're, you're, you're pop, if you make the, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of some songs, but anyway, but then oh, I could get you some. Yeah. The moment you get <laughs> started, to play. everything, the baby. Yeah, made. exactly. <laughs> you get, you I get still you. be bumping it though. Yeah. I mean, it's that, <laughs> look, it's a, but that's, the, but that's all a popular music. Like they know what is going to sell and what's going right. to get you your right. attention. But the moment you get thoughtful, and deep and controversial, it becomes conscious or it becomes underground mm -hmm. or backpack. I mean, whatever yeah. pejorative somebody wants to throw on it in order to, to diminish it and make it feel like this is not for the masses. Theology is the same way. I think what we've done is we've manufactured a particular theology that has worked for a particular uh, class of people. Mm. And what's happening is is as america is giving opportunity and access to people who've been on the margins and those people will get more integrated into the into the into the palace if you will they're starting to be like moses and they're like hold up there's some there's some issues here yeah. and then they're like you know what i don't need the palace and they leave but god is like go back and set my people free and pharaoh's like nah bro you got to get out of here and so what we have now is a is a is a, a mass or a class of people who have a theology that I like to think is more holistic. And it's not just about my personal relationship with God, it's, but it's also about Jesus redeeming my personal relationship, my personal relationship with other people, but also the, the way that I work and the way that I create. And a lot of our theology has been absent of that. And so therefore justice has been anemic. How you how you live in a day-to-day -day is anemic. And now that our theology is actually trying to deal with those things, our art should also be trying to deal with those things right. on a real level and not giving these placid, simple, trite answers to how Jesus solves issues. Because we see, I think Simon the Sorcerer is a great example. This individual is walking with uh, the disciples and then uh, well, you know what? Let's let me use a let me use a different example. You the Priscilla and Aquila, uh, not Priscilla. Well, um, I forget the couple that was uh, amongst the disciples, and they were going to sell their goods, but they kept some money to themselves. Oh right, uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. So Ananias and Sapphira are amongst this uh, very healthy movement of Jesus. I'm assuming they're amongst the people who actually walk with Jesus. 
but their sin evidence, I mean, their sin is quite evident before them. And so what we see there are people who are still broken. They're the closest that you could possibly probably be to Jesus or Jesus' disciples, but yet and still they're they're showing that there's a possibility and a potential to be broken and fallen amongst a, a very healthy community. So if we see that throughout the scriptures, if we see that through David, if we see that through Solomon, if we see that through even Peter and Paul's tension, if we see that through all these different interactions in the scriptures, and what makes us think that people are going to be perfect on this side of heaven? It's just, it just, it just rattles me that we we come to the Lord confessing how broken and how much we need grace, but then once we receive that grace we spend our time all our time trying to act like we don't need it anymore wow yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and that to me is so confusing it's just so confusing it's like no i am a i am a mess and if left up to my own selfish interests guess what i am going to be a mess i'm reading uh i'm, I'm about to start reading a whole lot of russian literature because i just feel like yeah um Dostoevsky's, Tolstoy's, yeah, I was gonna say all them, all them jokers. <laughs> they dealt. They they knew how to deal with suffering. Like they mm. they understood suffering and faith. And um, <clears throat> I uh, uh, uh has a quote. He says, "If there is no God, then everything is permissible." Mm. And for me, mm. I just realized like. So I don't understand believing in this like half-hearted Jesus or this half gospel, like where it's like, oh yeah, my thing is like, I'm either believe or not believe. Cause if I believe that means he is reconciling mm. all things. Like he's concerned about my well-being. everything I do. He wants to, he wants to reconcile to himself for the good and the benefit of other people. And if God doesn't care and if Jesus does not care about my work, then why are we upset about slavery? Like, if Jesus, de- like, mm-hmm. we should not have any concern about people grasping for power. If Jesus is not real, then what stops me from manipulating my neighbor? Because at the end of the day, then it's just, because just humanism is not going to stop me from, from manipulating my neighbor for my own benefits. It's just not. Because I feel like that's in my best interest to get as much money as possible. But I need a theology and an ideology and a teaching that teaches me, that tells me that I shouldn't do that. And there's consequences for me doing that. And then even if I get away with it on an earthly level, there's still there's still the potential that that won't be beneficial for me in some way or fashion. And for me, the gospel just not only makes the most spiritual sense, but it makes the most earthly sense because it creates a better society, because it teaches people to care about one another and i'm just ranting on and on so anyway michelle what about what about a sense of morality that um doesn't necessarily have anything to do with faith because because in that exact example and i don't think you're saying this but there's a lot of people that don't don't know christ don't want to know christ that aren't going to manipulate their neighbors right yeah oh no absolutely i believe there are very moral people uh but what i'm asking is what's the what's the um what's the word i'm looking for What's the foundation for them being morally good people? And if hmm. it's just based off of like the land, the, the laws of the land, then if we change the law of the land, then therefore we can manipulate and use people to however to whatever benefit that law allows us to. Which or if their land is different than the laws of my land, right? Or, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. And so 
to or me, if I just want wealth and power, so I make the laws that well anyway. Absolutely. Ahead. So therefore, there's no like you know we live in a, a, a democratic society where capitalism, you know, is our, our uh, the way we operate and goods and services, free market, and so therefore, and and before I have to say anything further, let me first say that I'm not an economist. <laughs> Not a philosopher. Well, I'm not a, 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 a I'm not a PhD in, in philosophy. I have very strong opinions about things. But so back to my rant. Um, this has been that, a public service announcement. <laughs> you know that capitalism um, is has proven in a lot of ways, and this is very debatable, to be one of the best systems in order to create wealth for nations. Um, I'm not saying it's the most beneficial society. I'm just saying like for building, just for building wealth. But we also know that capitalism creates great disparities between rich and poor. And so what is it to stop me? Because the laws have dictated that I can, as long as I operate within particular laws, that I can take over companies, that I can squash my competitors, um, that I don't have to care for the poor in any way possible. As long as I pay my taxes, that's enough for me to care. Like, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm paying my service unto my nation by you know, sharing my wealth in that manner. But the Christian life tells us to go further than that. It tells us to consider our neighbors. It tells us to, 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 to care for the poor. It tells us to consider them when there is opportunity, right? So there's, yeah. there's, there's always the next step. That's why I say, there's going to be moral people. There are going to be people who are probably way more moral than Christians and Muslims and, and, and Jews, right? But the reality of it is, is I, I, I need something. Personally, I need something that is transcend, that transcends law, that transcends yeah. culture, that transcends my, my, my neighbor and I's personal, my, my and my neighbor's personal ideology. Because if we don't, then what you, what you will have just like people have said in the past, slavery was something that was like, I don't know, it was like the chicken pox. Everybody was doing it. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was participating in slavery. But what makes slavery wrong if Portugal's doing it, if England's doing it, if America's doing it, mm. if Africans are actually doing it and, and selling folks and they're benefiting from this slave trade, <clears throat> then why is everybody up in arms about slavery? We as well as the Europeans. If if we're going, if we're just having a conversation about power, if we're just having a conversation about just what is my and your personal ethics, well, then we have to dig into something much deep, deeper than human intuition. Uh, because if the world is participating in a practice that we can see is problematic, well, why does why is it problematic? Is it problematic just because we were the enslaved? No, it's problematic because we believe that God has created us not to be enslaved to one yeah. another in this particular position. So that's kind of like my, yeah. I wish I could have, uh, I would have uh, articulated that a in a more cogent way, but yeah. This is, no, a, that's, that's not what this podcast is. So right. <laughs> uh, the amount of times. We, we work all this shit out in real time, man. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the amount of times that I've had to hang up on or uh, uh, end, end a podcast and then look over at Kenny, uh, Kenny and Doug and be like, so I said some stuff. I, I, uh, I apologize. Wow. I, I came out hot. That was miserable. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, 
I, I feel so like, um, show you, you said something earlier that I was really, really vibing with just the idea of just like, uh, Christian evangelicals sort of being the, the popular culture in a lot of ways. And so like, as more and more people are kind of being, uh, quote unquote, unquote integrated into the fold, brought into the fold, more and more people are able to have eyes on stuff and be like, huh, does that make sense? Or like, do, you know, like, does, does that really fit what the Bible is talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a question and now I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, I want to say something and you can think about that. Go question. ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I think the other thing we understand is that every every practice, no matter if it's Christian, you can take evangelical and parse that into different tribes, right? Sure. Um, and be, no matter, no no practice or or um, uh, manifestation of Christianity is without culture. Like it's all practice and culture. Sure, sure, And so you can, and so one of the things that I am really adamant about communicating is that evangelicalism has many different faces. Although right now it seems like the majority of its uh, I guess you can say critique is aimed at white evangelicalism and because it is the predominant face of Christianity in America. However, there are many other examples of evangelical evangelicalism, many different manifestations. And even within like black church, you, you have to, you can't communicate black church as is, if this is one monolithic thing, there are many expressions of that as well, just like there are many expressions of white church. And so, um, I think even when we're talking about evangelicalism or talking about Protestantism, we have to be very mindful that one, it's all integrated into a particular culture. And this is part of the reason why oftentimes we're asking people to assimilate into culture, not into a Christianity. We're asking them to assimilate into like uh, cultural sensibilities. Right. And then the other thing we have to understand is that, um, well, that was the first point. The other point, I think I forgot. But yeah. So I don't know if your question came back. <laughs> no, uh, not, I don't think, I don't think it did completely. I, I guess what I'm, what I'm thinking of is like the ideas that I, I believe in an, I believe in an absolute morality, um, uh, you know, and I, I believe that there's, there's a way for us to like align ourselves with that morality and, and uh, religions of all sorts seem, you know, they say that they find uh, a way to do that. And Christianity is, is very much the same, right? Where we say, this is the way to align yourself with with the absolute morality being God. And then we have Jesus to help redeem you and, and bring you back to that, you know, bring you closer to uh, to who God is and what what he created you for and to do and all those things. And so what I I, I don't disagree with with those statements. I, I sort of disagree with the idea that like Christianity is necessarily helping um, at times, especially maybe mm-hmm. maybe Christian, maybe uh and we've kind of come back to it where I, I have to sort of put the caveat of like, in this case, I guess I'm talking about uh, Western, Westernized American Christianity, mm-hmm. but just the struggle of like, when you, when you have people using the Bible to bring people into slavery, mm-hmm. it, the question is not necessarily if like, it, it, it doesn't really fall into, well, everybody's doing it. So like, 
you know, what, what's to say, like, I need some morality to help me like get my bearings and say that like, no, we don't, we don't like slavery because God created all people in his image. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, brown, or what, you know, who you are, God created you in his image. So when you have a group that is using the Bible that says those things to enslave people, uh, and not just for a time, but for hundreds of years, and then the way that that has continued to play out you know, through the 20th and 21st century, you're just kind of like, you kind of look at it and you go like that, how can that be the mm-hmm. same thing that I'm reading where I'm, I'm seeing just problem after problem after problem after problem. And, and not just me, I know that a lot of people are seeing, seeing those things. It becomes really difficult to come back to it and be like, you know, the idea that black church exists uh, as something separate from white church is because they were like, <laughs> because black folks were excluded right from the idea of church mm-hmm. of who God is like I I just really struggle like what what do you uh do you have any thoughts on that is like if like the the morality piece is we're all kind of looking at the same bible but reading it with our own eyes uh I I don't know what the question is there but that I guess that's that's my rub with it is because I like I, I read it and I'm like there's so much good stuff here there's so much truth here and we are constantly putting, you know, ridiculous stuff on there, like the, the prosperity gospel and, you know, all these kind of things. Are you tracking uh, with me? I, <laughs> There's so much in that. That's I, I not think one. I am. I'm, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to assume. So I think I am. I don't want to assume like that you're leading mm-hmm. me somewhere. So I'm just trying to make sure I'm being like very, <laughs> I guess you can say honest in my response and just and just answering the question. So I no, I'm do, not leading like, you. I just that's no, I, no, 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 that's no, where no. I'm at. Yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> I I agree. I think, and I talk about this in the book. I think that you know, I think it's chapter three. Um, actually, the chapter is called uh, "Good Slaves, Mad Plantations." Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'm I basically the 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 gist of that chapter is that black. Christian tradition has always, one, it's necessary, not only just for Black folk, but for white people, because it is a, is a theology that has always been tethered to justice. Um, and um, I start the story off basically creating this, this well, exposing better yet, because I didn't create, exposing this bifurcation that was created in the church. And it's goes all the way back to obviously the first slaves who were brought over, but really, really exposed through literature with a debate between Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, and William Lloyd Garrison, who was an activist and abolitionist who had a periodical called The Liberator. And he's, they were going back and forth about how uh, they both viewed abolition as necessary, but they went about different means to execute that right and so at the end of the particular <laughs> tirade Henry uh William, William Blair Garrison basically says are there two Christ yeah. and basically my argument is, is it similar to what you're saying we're reading bibles like do and I and I give an anecdote about the church I went to uh how I'm sitting next to people who are singing the same <laughs> hill songs that I'm singing but for some reason, we're getting two different interpretations. We're listening to the same sermon, but we're getting two different interpretations. We're both seeing mm-hmm. the, the lack of an indictment of George Floyd, not George Floyd, I'm sorry, George Zimmerman, 
And we both have different expressions on how that is impacting not only us personally, but also how that um, is a ongoing narrative of America. And so I think, and it wasn't just, we interpreted, there was hostility between us. Right, right. And so then there comes, is like, well, what is the problem? Is my Christ different from your Christ? And the reality of it is, yes, <laughs> there is a different Jesus. And until we start recognizing, like, yeah, we have different, we have a different faith. And this is what I basically am trying to say in this book. Like, you had a faith, you had a Jesus for you, and I had a Jesus for me. Um, Bonhoeffer talks about when he visits Harlem, the need for a black Jesus. And he and his learning of Jesus about Jesus in Harlem impacts his life to be an activist to go back into Germany. Mm-hmm. And so I say that because one, it's a real thing to go back to uh, kind of like, uh, I guess you can say uh, ramble that I had in, right before your question about <laughs> culture, faith is lived out through culture. Yeah, and practice, so yeah. sometimes we paint God differently. And uh, my God mm-hmm. may be a revolutionary mm-hmm. who, who goes and flips over tables in the temple and your Jesus may be the one who is weeping because he sees that his friends are weeping over their brother's death in Lazarus. And th- those are, those might be the pictures that you hang on your wall. Like that's the picture of Jesus you hang on your wall. My picture is the, the mad ass Jesus who's flipping over tables. You know what I'm saying? And the problem is, is both of those are incomplete ideas of who Jesus is. And what we've done is we've created theologies off of those images that we've, cre- that we've painted. And evangelicalism, as it is popularized today, is mm. a theology that is built off of power and autonomy. It's, it was brought over from England. This is the reason why, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Christopher Columbus can write that the Holy Spirit is allowing him to, to kill all the savages and take the gold. And he's saying, we're doing this in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, that's a theology that's like Uh. our autonomy. But that's, but there's also a Jesus that's, (laughs) that's on the plantations with the slaves. That's like, oh, you know what? I got shoes. You got shoes. All of God's people got shoes. Mm -hmm. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to dance all over God. So like, they're talking about two different Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Right. At some point, you know, what a beautiful picture will be. And I think it's only going to happen in heaven. I, I'm not an optimist at all. Um, <laughs> I don't think we'll ever solve these problems on this side of heaven. Um, but one day, all of the pictures that we've painted of Jesus will make one beautiful mosaic. And we will see him rightly, right? Um, we will no longer look through a, 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 was it a mirror dimly? And we will see the full picture of who Jesus is. But right now we have our cultural lenses that sometimes gives us a better paradigm of how to see Jesus. And oftentimes we see the shadows of our society. And just to, and, and I think this is the humble posture that I think Kenny is talking about that I try to present in this book. I think about my heroes uh, and I talk about this in the intro of the book. I talk about people like GK Chesterton, MLK, W. Du Bois, W.E.B. Du Bois and uh, Alexander Crummel, and I even talk about Shaka Zulu. Mm-hmm. And I point out how all these individuals, <laughs> although I think them to be highly wonderful, I think of them highly and I think them to be wonderful people and they should be celebrated. Also, there's there's deep shame in some of the things that they've done. Mm-hmm. 
Does that mean we there should be an erasure of everything that they've contributed to this world? No, not at all. But does that mean we should look at them as we ought to? Like we should look at them as humans, like David, um, who killed off a husband. So now, you know, so anyway. Yeah, right. The reality of it is, is that, um, yeah, there is, there is, there is a two Jesus. And ultimately, I think the way that you should see Jesus is somebody who had all power, but yet he was crucified by the mm -hmm. state. He had all power and he could have used all that power to demolish his enemies, but yet he was crucified by the state. To me, that speaks volumes because that shows somebody who won could have used his power, his privilege for his own benefit, but yet and still he said, I am going to die for the benefit of other people and I'm going to die at the hands of authorities. So yeah. I'm not I'm not using my, like, I didn't come to give people political power. I didn't come to give people military power. I didn't come to, I came to give people a better sense of who they are and to center them in a spiritual truth that will help them impact military that will help them impact politics that will help but at the reality at the end of the day the moment you use politics military in order to suppress and um marginalize people you're i think you're failing i think you're failing this is where you know to go back quickly where capitalism oftentimes has its problems where all mm -hmm. systems have its problems but once again i'm not an economist but i <laughs> and that i think that's one of the things that i appreciated most about the book is the ability to deal with nuance you know what I'm saying? And pointing people to to really looking at. And I I think I like I was you know, I was having the same conversation um, you know, with some of my family, you know, just because, you know, we're talking and we have two different viewpoints, you know, but on one hand, they see um the beauty in the creation of the nation and the genius. Uh oh, am I frozen? Uh -oh. um, but the genius of, um, you know, the forefathers and how they, you know, how they wrote the laws and, you know, the founding of the nation and they built something that was, that was going to last and things like that. Um, you know, but at the same time, they look at, um, at what Hitler did and, you know, moving into, and, you know, in the Holocaust and moving into Poland and, you know, in all of his, his military exploits and, and, you know, exterminate and attempt to exterminate the Jews, you know, um, they look at that as egregious, you know, but at the same time, they look at, you know, the taking over of the nation from the, the Native Americans as manifest destiny. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so, you know, we were just having that conversation and just thinking about, um, you know, where's the, you know, where's the, you know, thinking about that tension you know, uh, you got one on one hand that's egregious. You got, you know, one on the other hand that's manifest destiny. You know, where's that the line? Reason, the reason why, the reason why Hitler was egregious is because he lost. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? History is written by the victors, bro. Exactly. Right, like, right. If exactly. Won, if we would have won, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. My and there's and there's no difference in you know. It's just, there's no difference in, no. in, in what the, in what happened and yeah. what they did. Not. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so I like how, but I think a lot of times, like, you know, whether it's in Christian art and Christian, you know, um, you know, we aren't, we aren't exercising that muscle of dealing with the nuance and even dealing with that nuance of scripture, you know what I'm saying? And like, I've been listening to this other podcast and um, dude was talking about how 
um, you know, the messiness of family in the whole story with Abraham and Isaac, you know, where you take them up. And it was like, dang, you think about it from Isaac's point of view. You know what I'm saying? Your dad was just about to <laughs> kill you. But, and, and pointed out, like, in the scripture that after that, you know, Isaac pretty much went off and he wasn't living with Abraham no more. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, wait, what? You know, I had to go back and read. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, and mm-hmm. like, and so just thinking about that dysfunction and the tension mm-hmm. and, you know, and just thinking about the relatability, like, I, I feel like you miss things when you don't look at nuance, you know, when you can't see, you know, you know, or try to see both sides or try to understand, you know, and I feel like that's something that, you know, if you, if you learn to exercise that muscle, you know, I feel like it could be a very beautiful thing because you learn how to love your neighbor so much better. You learn how to love people. Well, you learn how to serve people. Well, you learn how to be about somebody else's interests other than your own. Yeah. You know, no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, you know, whether you have you have privilege or whether you don't, you yeah. know, because it, it it goes both ways, you know, in that regard. So, yeah, I, I am of a, I am of the belief I, I am somewhat of a I guess you can say a Christian humanist in the sense that I I I just believe that we should just be trying our best to. Though I do believe as uh, Brandon talked about, I have a, a moral absolution in, in, in a sense. Uh, however, I can't expect my neighbor to have the same sure. moral absolution that I have. Right. Right. And so in knowing that I have very strong convictions, how do I live in a pluralistic society? And I think humanism in a sense, Christian humanism to be more specific, understands that people aren't going to share your views, but you still want the best for your neighbor. You're trying to figure out how do, we, how do I exist in a society where I want to see human flourishing and I want to love and, and care about my, uh, my neighbor, even despite potentially my own well-being. And uh, I, I think it's, it's so hard. It's just so hard um, because oftentimes evangelicalism our Christianity, maybe Christianity in the West for the most part, has dealt in feast and all we know is power. And to lose any of that power feels like you're losing everything. Mm. And so therefore, this is the reason why for many years, there was a particular group of people who would say that morality and ethics is everything for a candidate. It's everything for a particular party. But the moment they felt like, oh, we're going to lose everything. Well, morals and ethics mean nothing anymore. Right. And we just want a king like Saul. It's like, hey, right. give us that king. And God's like, you know, you don't want that king. Like, no, 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 no. We want that king. <laughs> and all right, give me that king. I'm going to tell you what he's going to do. Just like, we don't care. And I think mm. we're living in, the, in, the, wow. in the, the backlash of that I don't care. Mm. because it's not just your reputation it's what happens when the people who didn't want the king are in power now and you're getting upset because of crt you're getting upset because of 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 trans rights you're getting upset because of all these things well you wielded the sword yourself and now you're getting mad when people wield the sword back at you right we didn't practice humanism well and so we didn't practice charity well we we didn't listen well uh and when i say we i'm not saying me i'm saying like we as a society Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because I don't necessarily consider myself in that in any particular group, but well, that's a lie I do. But 
Um, not not the group that wanted the king. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Not the group that wanted the king. So anyway, I know that you guys yeah. have other questions y'all want to talk, and we've got some little little time left. So I'll- no, that's great, man. We're, we'll probably uh, get ready to wrap it up here in a little bit, man. Show definitely appreciate you coming on, man, and 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 mm-hmm. sharing your thoughts with us. Um, tell the people where they can find you, man, on uh, on on socials. Uh, all social media platforms it is uh amisho baraka which is a-m-i-s-h-o-b-a-r-a-k-a and uh yeah yeah more music I'm, more 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 uh books coming no books uh, okay can i sell this are you traumatized or, or is it that you're to... <laughs> no the hardest part of the of the book the hardest part of the book process is is this right here is the wow Trying to convince people that your book is good enough for them to read it. <laughs> That's the worst. It's the worst, my wow, friend. Let me tell you, it is not enjoyable. Um, you get on all these podcasts and you got to act like you like people like you guys. And then, you know. <laughs> well, I was going to say, well, good luck because we yeah, actually yeah. don't even post these. We do these just, you know, just for us. It's, like it's like Troy and I uh, in the yourself. morning. Troy and I bed in the morning. The camera's not even on. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Where now we appreciate it. Yeah, we're back. You're back. You're back. Yeah, okay. No, it's uh it's a pleasure, man. I it was it was it was a different different kind of conversation in the podcast. Good. But I enjoyed it. Good. Um you guys didn't ask me to, you know, the same tire questions, which you know, which was cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the people on the podcast don't even know who I am, so I mean, it's good to. You trying to keep it fresh, man? That's that's actually refreshing. Yeah, and he's like, so tell me about anything. <laughs> hey, I knew I knew a little bit. All right, come on, I knew a little bit. Come on now. But no, it's uh, it the it's our book writing process is great. No to music. I mean, yes to music, but um, there'll be more information on that later. Cool. It, we getting another hot sock album? No, no, it's never happening. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, never. It's happened. a classic, man. Leave it alone. Damn, yeah. You, after a while, we tried, and then you realize it's like you know what? It is what it is. It was. Yeah. It was great. It was. It was great, man. It was uh, that was one of our favorites for sure. Yeah. Well, Joe, thank you, man. Appreciate you coming on. Um, the book is called. He saw that it was good. It's available all over book sales everywhere. Go pick oh, it up. Time, there's no. I keep That's right. we'll, he's trying we'll to show the people but the people can't see we'll put a link show no problem we, we, I got, we'll it, I got it on no uh, I got it on overdrive so That's right. I'm actually working on a book called he saw that it was hood and right. it talks God. about you know what I'm saying so do it. Do it. hey right, real bet, talk bet, Kenny bet, bet. How, how many how many weeks ago did you think of that joke <laughs> I, I want like you to be several, honest. Several, there we go. There we go. Okay. Several. <laughs> several. Well, you saved you know it. You saying? saved it for the right moment. So. I actually screenshotted myself with my head up like this. <laughs> uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Except for I got a grill and I'm holding my chain like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Black White Mixed. I want to thank you guys for listening and for supporting the show. Um, as always, get involved, be a part of the conversation with us. Um, with that said, I'm Doug Ogden. I am Brandon Johnson. I'm Kenny Roberts. I'm Shogarai. We'll talk to y'all again real soon. Yeah. Hey. Pa- the Patreon <laughs> listeners, the Patreon. Oh, There's no Patreon, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening to the Black, White, and Mixed podcast. We love being able to engage with our listeners, so don't forget to reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at the BWM Pod, or you can email us at bwmpodcastmail at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Black, white, and mixed. Come on, black, 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 black,